0: Yo, yo, yo. What's up, my man? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm your host, Athea Sam. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here today, and I'm so excited to share my interview with Dr. Eddie Caparucci. This man is no stranger to the podcast. Um, He's been on here a bunch of times, and then we've kind of talked behind his back a little bit uh, on the episodes as well because he's just so good. He's very easy to quote and reference, and he's got some really impactful books as well. Um, And you guys also hear me talk about Sean Bonito my lead coach. He's actually been trained and certified by Dr. Eddie Caparucci. So that's partially why you know he's a little bit of a legend in our circles. Um, but we did not bring him on today for our sake. We brought him on today for yours. And the reason I wanted him back on is because I think Eddie is probably one of the best at speaking to males about sensitive issues in a way that they get it especially for the ages of like, if you're 30 to 55, like this guy's gonna be, it's gonna feel like he's reading your mail uh, pretty much the whole time. And so we had a very robust interview. Uh, We talked about a little bit of everything. I'm kind of having a little bit of fun right now because obviously I'm getting ready to become a dad and because I'm getting ready to become a dad, it's, um, it's fun to ask some of these more experienced fathers you know, about any advice that they have. So we touched on that. We talked about how men can help their wives in healing and the recovery process. We talked about emotional development and why that gets stunted in men and what they can do to reverse that effect. We talked about how technology is decimating face-to-face interaction and our concept of healthy relationships and what we can do to sort of combat the adverse effects there and then we talked about the power of stillness and meditation and man it got really good at the end. He even offered his email. So if you want if you want um, like some resources that we discussed, you can actually email him directly, which I haven't I don't think any other guest has done that. So that was really generous of him. Um, this was a really robust interview, and I, I really do hope you stay till the end. That's where it got super good. Um, but in the meantime, I'll just say this. Eddie is he's, hes an incredible voice. He's got an incredible message. And if you open up your heart and you open, open up your ears, you're gonna learn a lot in today's interview. He's got some books as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But without further ado, let's jump in and get into the interview with Eddie Capparucci. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam, welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Well, it's so good to have Eddie Caparucci back on the podcast. Uh, we've done uh, a, a bunch together, you know, between endorsing each other's books and some interviews here and there. And I always enjoy our time, man. Welcome back. It
1: is wonderful to be here with
0: you, my friend.
1: I always enjoy the time we get to spend together. We don't get to spend enough time together.
0: I know, I know. That's It's got to be one of the hardest things about the virtual world, isn't it? You make all these friends around the world and, and <laughs> you can only spend so much time with so many people. We're just too busy. We're too busy trying to
1: save the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, right? For better or for worse. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are, you're always up to interesting stuff and I love the way you found uh, what I would say are like the core elements of recovery, integrity, and health. Um, in, a, in a way, that's easy for guys to understand. That's some, something you just do incredibly well. <clears throat> so I'm excited to hear about some of the projects you're up to. I think we'll save some of those for our audience because we'll, we'll have you back once they're released and promoted. But you're doing some cool stuff. Uh, the one thing that we were talking about off air is the challenge that men run into when they're in recovery and they have a significant other, presumably a wife or you know some kind of commitment, long-term commitment in their relationship, and how to f- navigate the relational dynamics that exist in recovery. They're just so complex, aren't they? And, and nuanced. And I, I like that you've been venturing down there because I know a couple of years ago, after really focusing on helping guys get free for a while, you realized, oh my gosh, I'm helping them get free. But then they're going back to these dysfunctional marriages. The wife still doesn't trust them. And so you wrote your second book. I think brought a lot of uh, or sorry, I think that was your third book, actually, that brought a lot of uh, a lot of light and a lot of hope to guys in that area. And it sounds like you've gone even further in that direction. Can you maybe talk a little bit just as a starting point? What are some of the challenges that men run into relationally while they're recovering?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest uh, problems that we have is the idea that we are emotionally undeveloped. And so then you say, well, wait a second, how that happen? And, And you know what? Yeah, it's not just men who are dealing with addictions who struggle with this okay there are are other men who don't have any addiction uh but the problem is at the in the early stages of childhood development which again you'll be facing very soon yeah (laughs) you it is critical that parents provide their children with the skill set they need to be emotional beings. Mm -hmm. So therefore, teaching them how to have empathy, how to trust, most importantly, how to sit with emotional distress and be able to learn how to process that. Anyone who has an addiction, they don't know how to sit with emotional distress. That's how this whole process of becoming compulsive began for us. You know we're young. We're sitting with the pain. There's no adult there to help us. So, what am I going to do with this? Well, I come up with a brilliant solution as a child. I won't think about it. <laughs> all right, that's great. How do I how do I do that? I have to distract myself. Too much television. Too much food. Too much sugar. Too much fantasy. Okay, I'm not talking about sexual fantasy. I'm just talking about fantasy. I'm in my head all the time right with that that's how so and then i move that into my adolescent world teen world adult world i'm using that same coping strategy what i'm doing is i'm changing out the behaviors i'm finding different behaviors that are more stimulating or more numbing depending on what the addiction is and in this case here with sex more stimulating so that's where we're going and then again it is the compulsiveness that drives it For many of us. So we need to, and as you say, we teach men how not to be as compulsive, how to control that, manage it. And they're like, wow, this is great. I'm no longer looking at porn. I'm no longer masturbating. I'm not doing any other problematic sexual behavior. But we haven't done a damn thing about them being emotionally undeveloped. Right. And we have to work on those skill sets because the wives are looking for that. Because what happens is they'll see or, or they're told, well, he's no longer doing that. He's not looking at porn or masturbating. And they say, well, wait a second. How, how do I know that? Because I'm still seeing all these other things about him. I see He's not curious about me and the kids, that he's inwardly focused. You know, I feel like he's still, you know, um, you know, dealing with, you know, more about him than me. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, they're like, why should I believe? And so therefore, they never feel safe. Yeah. And when they don't feel safe, what are you gonna have? More conflict in the relationship. And then the guy sitting there and saying, I don't get it. Right. I'm 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 free of this. I'm not doing it anymore, and you're still not happy. Yeah, <laughs> not happy, dude, because you're still, you know, you're still dealing with a lot of your own issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let let me rewind a little bit. I'm so intrigued, uh, as someone who's about to become a father myself, you talked about that importance of teaching boys or teaching, you know, teaching, yeah, I guess boys, you know, when they're young, how to sit with emotional distress or or discomfort. That is, that's actually pretty profound, and I would say that the the number of opportunities that are available to us now to distract are more than ever before. Just between technology and devices and and all of that, and let's not kid ourselves; like we're all doing it. You know, like we we all fall into that trap. The phone is such an easy escape. What what does it look like? I wonder if you can just give an example of what it looks like when when a parent can guide their child through this process effectively. And just for the the listeners, if you're wondering why I'm asking this, I find it really helpful to have an ideal, like a standard to pursue. Uh, this isn't about saying like, oh, this is what your parents should have done and here's where they fell short. But I think for us, you know, for someone like me who wants to become a, a father, uh, for those of you who are fathers right now, I'm hoping that an example like this can maybe at least cast a bit of vision for what what this could look like and how maybe a father could start doing this for their own kids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And you're right. <laughs> We all have something that we are trying to get more addicted to, and we yeah. have to be very, very careful about that. But let's let's say you have like a you know a, a child who's like two, two and a half, um, and they have an older sibling. And the older sibling going to a birthday party, and it, and the older sibling's all you know very excited about it, and so the little one very distraught, you know, and crying, carry on, and and like having a tantrum because want wants to go to the party, all right? And let's say, you know, you really can't, just starting to learn the vocabulary, just starting to learn how to, to talk and not teaching them how to sit with the stress is stop it. You know what? Stop carrying on like that. If you, I'm going to, you know, smack you on your bottom. I'm going to send you your room. I'm tired of hearing you, you know, get out of my face, get away from me. Mm. that is not now he still he goes away he doesn't know what to do with this pain because for him i'm not invited i don't belong he doesn't have those thoughts but it's yeah. the emotion that why can't i be included mm. okay doesn't somebody i want to have part of that fun i want to enjoy that right that's what he, so you send him off he's still feeling that he doesn't know what to do with it so he still continued with the tantrum until he probably cries himself to sleep or something like that. And you begin the process of that's what he's gonna learn to do. I have to figure out something to get away from the pain versus to say, look, sit down sit, let's sit. I understand you're upset. I know you wanna you wanna go, right? Yeah, wanna go, wanna go. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, you know, this is for bigger kids. You will have lots of parties, okay? You will go to many different things, and he's still carrying on because again, he wants to go now, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it. I know you want to go now, but you know what? Tell you what, you and I we're gonna go. Let's go to the park and we'll we'll get together and we'll have a good time and we'll do something while he's doing his. Yeah, See, now, now you're teaching him, all right, well, now you know what? need to go find my own stuff that i can do because i can't always be able to do what everybody else wants to do yeah yeah so and then what you also want to do at when you're together with him because you don't want to stop there okay because we don't want to give him a sense that oh you know what we got to constantly be feeding you something good to deal with something bad that's not the point we then sit and talk and say give him the word for the emotions he was feeling of mm-hmm. all he's feeling is frustration. And the, what you were feeling was disappointment. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, all right, that's I don't... Disappointment. But you keep saying that to him. You were disappointed. We're all disappointed. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be disappointed at other times in your life too. Right, okay, That's part of growing up and being disappointed. Yeah. So that's, that's an example of how do you do that.
0: It sounds a little bit like it. you as a... As a per, as a person or a father, yeah. whatever level of comfort you have with distressing emotions is basically the level mm-hmm. of comfort that you can impart to your kid. Because in that example, like the the first example where the kid, where the parent is saying, basically just trying to shut them up and and push it aside. Usually it sounds like it's the it's the parent who's feeling their own discomfort with it. They can't handle it. So they're just trying to you know shut it down, which obviously that's, we've all been there, right? We've all done that, that whether you have kids or not. That's
1: exactly right. But see, that's also part. See, sometimes that happens because a parent may just be feeling overwhelmed, all right? Maybe the parent has the ability to do what I just outlined, but they're overwhelmed. So they just shut the kid down. Yeah, but, yeah. But in many cases, it is that emotionally undeveloped And you know what, women can be emotionally undeveloped too. And you're Mm -hmm. going to see more and more of that as we move forward into the next generation, because we're looking at people, I was watching them the other day, I'm just so amazed. There were these two girls, they're probably in their early 20s they're out for breakfast and they're just sitting there on their phones like
0: this
1: (laughs) and it's like you're sitting across from each other and so you're going to see a lot more when it comes to women also dealing with being emotionally undeveloped but if we have that then therefore we don't know we're going to get frustrated by a kid being frustrated and then it's just going to be all about shutting somebody down that's the inwardly focused blind spot
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So you have these guys who are going through a recovery journey. They're doing the inner child work. They're getting to the roots of the issue, experiencing freedom. And then there's the relationship dysfunction. And the language that you used off air was that men who are in this process need to be able to help their wives heal as well. What what exactly does this look like for you? And um, I'm wondering if you can give us maybe some of your principles or rules for how men should be Engaging with their significant other while they're recovering as well.
1: Right, absolutely. This is becoming well, it's been, it's always been a big problem. Um, you know, Barbara Stefan came up with, you know, the whole um concept and idea um uh, with the betrayal trauma uh mm-hmm. model, you know, years ago and perfect, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Versus before where we used to look at the You know, the betrayed partner as, you know, codependent, which is, you know, totally false. That is not it. Although there are a few, there are a few, there's a handful out there that they are codependent, and we see them kind of rush back into the relationship without getting the security that they need. But they are a very small minority of here. It is that idea. With that comes the idea, came the idea that, you know what? We do everything that they need. now I don't want to say we, we're talking about the betrayer. Everything they need to make them feel safe for as long as they need it. Well, what happens when we're going into year four, year seven, year 10? And they're not healing at all. Mm. And now now, let me make this very clear. I am talking about the guys who have done the recovery work. Yeah. Been flawless in their recovery work. All right. They're not acting out any longer and they're moving along. They're not setting these women back, but we've seen that before too, right? Somebody, they, they do it for six months, boom, act out. Well, guess what? the wife goes back to zero, ground zero, Mm. all right? She's not staying with you where you are, she's back here. And I've seen re-traumatized women over and over again because the guy can't get it right. We're not talking about them. Mm. We're talking about the guy who does it. He's disciplined, he knows what he needs to do, he takes really good care of himself from a self-care perspective, and he's very focused on his recovery he look for those warning signs and he's doing wonderful and she's not healing at all okay what do you do in those circumstances there okay with that so because now the guy is constantly you know happening well for me and i believe this is where we're starting to move with other with with, with other therapists too we have to start looking at okay what are other aspects here that we need to get the couple to look at and i think one of the biggest ones is the attachment style Hmm. because we all have different attachment styles and we bring them into the relationship most of them of us don't even know what they are (laughs) all we know is that the fact that they because they're different that we trigger each other often we need to understand what those are so therefore what we can be doing and especially for the betrayed partner the man to realize okay you know what i set off her attachment style i have her little girl hurt and upset and now for him to be more empathetic mm. with her in that circumstance mm-hmm. so that's just one example of things of what we have to look for as we move through this
0: yeah, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And the attachment style is something I've been really big on, I would say the last probably 12, 18 months, because I think it's, it's so clear that when people move towards secure attachment, a lot of things start to fall into place for them. Um, what are other things that you know, like when when a guy is, I, I guess what I'm wondering is in conjunction with a guy's own recovery, should he just be focused on? recovery and and then after he's kind of gained some traction then he starts to kind of invest more in the relationship. Uh is is there a duality here or is it kind of one step at a time? It used to be that was
1: that was the
0: sort of the the
1: the treatment plan. It was like all right we're gonna take him over here, let him work on himself. Take her over here let her work on herself and there was nothing that was being done for the couple themselves now again mm-hmm. okay because you know if this is a this is there's nothing black and white here yeah <laughs> okay there's nothing you know that this yeah. is where this is this this is as gray as you can get mm-hmm. and every single case is different mm-hmm. even though they're very similar They're all different because people bring their own baggage in from their past and stuff. So therefore, when we look at this, the one thing you have to be very cautious about is beginning that couple work too soon. Because what is the the point of being of a couple? If you look at traditional couples therapy, it is about reconnection. Mm -hmm about learning how can we but look at what the issues are and how can we navigate them together and then reconcile. All right. Beginning of the relationship, we are not looking to reconcile <laughs> right. anyone here. And that's been done. That is people have tried to do that and it has caused even more harm harm. To those yeah. who were betrayed, and they've even shamed these people, like, "Oh, you know what? You're supposed to forgive. You need to forgive," and and just it's just actually it's evil. Okay, mm. so therefore, what we want to be doing, okay, is to make sure that before the couple work begins, or whatever couple work is being done, it's not being done to the woman. Needs to understand we're not doing this to bring you guys together what we're doing, if we're bringing together, bringing you together, one, help educate you about problematic sexual behaviors, mm. two, to give you a better understanding of what he's doing to make himself, you know, to a place where he feels sober, and three, three also, so we can talk about how you guys are handling some of the issues right now. And especially how are you dealing with your grieving and how is he managing that with you? Is he being helpful? Is it making it worse? And then giving them pointers on how do we do this in a way that is as healthy as can be. Understanding that, you know what? (laughs) You can sit there and you can tell somebody who has trauma like, all right, well, we have what? We really need to turn it off at 10 o'clock at night. We yeah. really need to try to turn it off. Okay. She, may, she may turn it off three out of four times. Yeah. Okay? <clears throat> but that fourth time, she can't turn it off. And right. he has to then be, again, empathetic to understand that, okay, she's having a very, very bad day at mm-hmm. night. So, therefore let's go let's let's talk about it let's let's do this yeah and then afterward we debrief in the counselor's office why was it so much a struggle to turn it off that day mm,
0: okay <clears throat> what what can a guy do if i mean we've kind of presumed that the wife i guess would be open you know or would at least be willing to you know sit down with a counselor or or explore some couple's work what do you do in, in the event where that's not the case? You know, where the wife is basically saying, you're the one with the problem, so I'm going to let you do your thing over there. Let me know when you got this sorted. Or, you know, we've had some guys, this is would be very extreme, but, you know, we've had a client where um, maybe actually he, sir, he was talking with porn, but she's actually done a bunch of, um, you know, misbehavior, like whether it's affairs or something else. And he's going to do his thing and he's getting healed, but she's ultimately, you know, not repentant, not really feeling bad about what she's done. What What's the course of action in a situation like that?
1: Well, one, you know, you can't can't lead a horse to water, right? Yeah. What they're yeah. saying, and you can't. If she doesn't want to do the work, we'll use the first scenario first. You know, and I, yeah, I've seen it. You know, this isn't my problem. I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be here. This is me. I haven't done anything wrong. Yes, you're right. You haven't done anything wrong. Well, you're not here because you did anything wrong. You're here because somebody hurt you really bad. This is a major betrayal that you've had in your life and you need to be able to process it. Hmm. And this is going to help you because if you don't go through this and do it, then you are going to be stuck. You're going to be hmm. stuck here. So I mean that, that that's up to the counselor. The husband can't. Deliver that message. I mean, yeah. you can deliver it, but it's gonna go over like a lead balloon.
0: Um, <laughs> however,
1: again, I think at times, you know, again, if I tell my guys, you have boundaries, also. Right. I know, I, I can do all the betrayal, you know, uh, advocates out there right now, <laughs> they want to wring Eddie Caporuscio's neck. Um, <laughs> no, they also have. I'm sorry. You know what is the bottom line here? bottom line is one these guys get sober that they learn the the technique the tools that they need to be able to manage their addictive behaviors Mm -hmm. and three that we reconcile okay because and again we add in the fact that she heals right that she can heal and the way she heals is that he makes her feel safe well if he gets sober and he uses his tools and he's remorseful for what he's done that should lead her ultimately to feel safe. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's what it should be. But if that doesn't happen, then what are we doing here then? Hmm. Three, five, 10, 30 years later, I've seen it. <laughs> what are we doing? This is both to be about now coming back together. Michelle May wrote an amazing book, The Betrayal Bind, uh, read it recently. And she actually outlined some of the reasons why the betrayed partner remains stuck. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go through those right now. I would just tell people to go and and look at it and get it. But they do. They do stay stuck. And and the reasons they do are all subconscious. Hmm. And and they're based on fear. Hmm. Fear that if I let him get too close again, he's going to act out. Well, guess what? The only way you get to do that is to process through that. This is where guys then have to say, hey, look, you know what? I've done what I needed to do. I'm here for you. I want to be able to help you. But, OK, we're not playing this. We're not going back and forth anymore here. I'm not, you know, going to answer the question for the one thousandth time. Yeah. because The answer is not different. Yep. You need to be able to go and sit with someone to process. You want me to go with you? I will go with you. Right. I will do that with you, okay? I will do whatever I can to bring you back to where you were because you've lost yourself. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry it is my fault. Yeah. But for us to just continue this back and forth, this ugly tennis match, we can't do this any longer. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. have to put up those boundaries. The other thing, is I tell my guys, you do not ask for a timeout. You take a timeout. Say, so right. I'm taking a timeout. I need a break. I cannot continue because if I do, I'm just going to start buttonhead with you, and I'm not going to do that with you anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to fight with you because you don't deserve for me to fight with you. So I'm taking yeah. a break, and then you say the most important words. I will be back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then you make sure you get your butt back there within 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. You go back and see. And if she's still escalated, still going, you try to stay there for a little while. And then if not, just say, look, you know what? We're going to continue today. Not going to be helpful. Let's pick it up again tomorrow. And again, you go back tomorrow.
0: That's so good. And I learned that importance of coming back the hard way because I I knew that it was okay to set a boundary. That part I knew, but yes, the coming back is is so critical. Uh, Let me switch gears a little bit. You touched on something earlier. You talked about the two 20-year-olds sitting at a table in a restaurant. They're on their phones and the ripples that's going to have down the road. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because, I I mean, someone like me, I kind of grew up one foot... You know, the first 10 years was basically pre-technology. I guess it was early internet days and maybe we had a personal computer, but to play Minesweeper in solitaire, that was pretty much it. Um, so I at least have like a bit of a recollection of that world pre-internet, but a lot of our listeners uh, that are younger wouldn't. And um, there's people granted who are, you know, older than me who would have a little bit more of a balance between these two pre-tech and, and you know, the the emerging technology world that we're in right now what do you think are the implications on uh firstly an emotional level like the kind of emotional development part and then secondly kind of a relational social level like what do you think are the implications if we well as we continue down this path of technological development and advancement
1: well well, let's talk from from the emotional standpoint first uh as we discussed, a lot of that needs to be done in the early stages of childhood development with our parents but then again How do we take what we've learned and fine tune it? How do we become uh, more efficient in being able to identify our emotion, share them and have people share their with us without becoming over anxious? Right. Well, we practice. You practice. You go out and you talk to people. I talk to people. I mean, face to face. Yeah, we're. That's what we're trying to say. Although you could do it through this, you can do Zoom. I'm still face to face with you in yeah. that aspect. The problem we're seeing right now, and again, it's been happening for the last 20 years, is that you know the youth today they're not having a lot of face to face conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. they're sitting around, like I said, on their phone. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I passed another one down on Main Street. Or, uh, there were the parents I guess there were a couple of families that were visiting and vacationing and there had to be six, seven kids and they were outside of an ice cream store and again most of them were on their phones you know and it's like Seriously. nobody's having the, so imagine if they didn't have their phones with them they'd have to be yeah. talking to each other yeah. <laughs> which is what we need, we need that practice we need and more so than even practice, we need to feel comfortable doing it So what you're going to see, and we're already seeing it, is now relationships, when people start to develop them, especially younger people, they're never going to go fully deep Mm. because you have the little barriers that are always going to be sitting there to prevent that. I grew up in an age when one, you know, we had, you had a phone that didn't even have a voice you know a machine okay An answering machine right. when we first started we got it but it it wasn't <laughs> there so therefore you call somebody if they didn't answer the phone you know you just hung up and you had to wait to do that <laughs> all right the only mail we had was U.S. mail okay mail mail so we we talk parents I remember when we played outside during the summer parents were sitting out on their front steps You know their homes, and they would you know just shout over to somebody, or they walk over there, and there was just conversation that was constantly being had. Mm. That is gone today. We don't even know our neighbors. I I will confess myself. You know, I've been living here for three years now. I know John across the street. I don't know it. Well, it takes a while to get to somebody. I don't know these people. Yeah, it's sad Mm. that we're in that society, but. What but without now let's go to the next step. Yeah. What happens when we don't make real emotional connections? What happens is we have a void. What happens is that we have a hunger, a desire for that. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna replace that we're gonna fill that void with something else. Yeah. And you watch. You, you, you young guys, I told you before, all right, it is right now we're at an epidemic when it comes to these addictions. We're heading for a tsunami
0: Mm.
1: and you guys are going to be overwhelmed. So therefore you make sure like I do right now, (laughs) anybody who's thinking of going into the field of, you know, counseling, coaching, psychology, I'm like, go to addiction, go to addiction go to addiction because you guys are going to need it. I mean, I get three to five calls a day for people who want to come in to work. And and, and you know what? You think about it, there are a lot more people who are struggling, who aren't picking up the phone than there are the people who are picking up the phone right now. That's a small percentage of people who are asking for help. And it's just going to keep getting worse. And that's why it's so important for parents to be able to eliminate screen time. And I'm not mm. talking about just phones, I'm talking about video games, I'm talking about television, I'm Talking about talking about know, laptops, what all of it, limit it mm. greatly, put a book in their hands. <laughs> and, but more importantly, put your face in front of their face. Yeah. Play board games. You know, yeah, I, I remember I did a retreat, um, I, I spoke in a men's retreat about, I guess, six years ago, and uh, my son actually attended, he was like uh, 19, and he was there, and um, as I was talking about it, I was talking about this subject, and I, and I brought up the thing about board games, and I said, mm-hmm. I remember, and I remember a few times when, you know, Dakota would come to me and say, Dad, you want to play a board game? I'm like son, you know what? I'm just too busy right now. I'm sorry, I can't. And I sat there and I said, you know what? I I do anything to play that board game again.
0: Yeah. And um,
1: and it got me really, really choked up. And that Christmas, he bought three board games for me
0: no. for Christmas gift,
1: <laughs> and we've been and we still play them when we get together.
0: Oh, so, that's so it, sweet.
1: Yeah, but but you know, you the time that you have with them is limited yeah you need to make the most and yes i know life is busy i know you have your own pressures i know you may only have your own you know issues that you're dealing with but you know what don't make them wind up you know, don't let the, the generational curse continue so mm. at some point we have to break it yeah if and i we came from you know really bad backgrounds In fact, we have almost identical stories. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. We decided when we got married, we said we are not going to bring this into our relationship and we're definitely not going to push this on our kids. And we didn't. didn't. Were we perfect parents? No, but there are no perfect parents. All right. But you know what? We were very, very conscious to make sure that we were engaged with them, that we were communicating with them. We are teaching them how to be emotional beings.
0: Oh man, it's so good! It's so good, and and so necessary. I I remember hearing some stats on Gen Z recently. Uh, one one survey showed that they are not getting married as much. Um, they're they're less interested in getting married. They're not happening, um, and and they're obviously they're a bit young. So. Um, there's not full data on that yet until they kind of enter their thirties, but the general overview of marriage from their their perspective is not interested. And so you think, oh, well that must be because, you know, maybe they're sleeping around a bit more. They don't want the long-term committed relationships. Gen Z is actually less promiscuous than millennials by a lot. Um, and so you start to hear, you start to hear the little pieces of data and you can kind of put two and two together that like between pornography, social media, like that's where they're going to get some of these needs met. And I think what you're alluding to, like that epidemic that's on the rise here, uh, it, it is so true. And, and I do agree that we've really only just seen the tip of the iceberg here. You've talked about uh, from a parenting perspective, which obviously for me, I'm like soaking in every word you say, man, it's so helpful for me as I get ready to become a, a father myself. And I really appreciate it. What about the the adults? So maybe somebody who's listening, who is saying, you know what, Eddie, I am escaping with my phone and with social media and sure, pornography is in the mix, but I know that there's a whole slew of things that I'm doing right now that are stopping me from really building deep uh, relationships and cultivating more emotional connection. What are some little practical things that guys can be doing to at least get the ball rolling? We all know they need to do the inner child work. They got to get to the roots of the issue. Um, You have to really like tackle the addictive elements here, but um, are there, is there some low hanging fruit that people can do to get started? There's one really
1: great practical thing to do. Be still.
0: Ah. <laughs>
1: no, no. And you know what? Sitting here on your phone doing this, that's not being still. Yeah. Okay. That is not being, when I'm talking about being still, I'm talking about, you know, go back to the day of our grandparents, maybe a great grandparents used to sit out on the porch in a rocking chair and just sit Mm. that frightens us Mm. why because our anxiety increases because we feel we need to be engaged somehow so therefore for me i believe meditation is one of the most uh, one of the most valuable things we can do. And if you want to let your listeners, um, if you want to have them send me um, an email to edcappa at gmail.com, I will be happy to send them a link to a site that had meditation music. Hmm. And what they need to do every day, and I'm saying this this is every day, and I'll tell you why start with five minutes maybe go to 10 and you only really need about 10 minutes a day just to be able to sit you're listening to the music and now you're probably saying well wait a second if i'm listening to this music aren't i distracting no because one it, the music is um bilateral music the way it plays in both and it alternates between the ears hmm. but it gives you a sense to focus on what what's going on and then as your thought come into your head, you go back to the music. And what you're focusing on, because there's no words, you're focusing on the movement of the music
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just being still. So why is that important? Because when you go and you grab your phone all the time, or you sit in front of your iPad, you sit in front of the TV, again, it's because of anxiety. Mm-hmm. We want to do something. If I practice that medication, if I practice the art of being still, when I go to grab the phone, again, it's compulsive. Mm-hmm. It's all compulsive. I don't need yeah. to look at that phone. Yeah. <laughs> in there. Nobody called me. Yeah, There's nothing I need to see right now. All right? Let it go and go back to where I can sit still. Mm-hmm.
0: See, we're learning
1: to train ourselves to not be as anxious mm. but again go back to the idea now. i somewhere else sorry stay with me <laughs> i'm going from the idea that anxiety lead to compu- more compulsiveness yeah increased compulsiveness leads to bad decision making mm. all right that's the problem yeah and god where so where do you start to correct that problem You start by taking your anxiety and learning how to manage it. Just Mm -hmm. like we're learning how to manage the addiction, we learn to manage the anxiety. And guess what? That's the bad decision-making, the the addiction. All right? Or or anything, grabbing my phone and staying on my phone while there are all these people around me. Yeah. It's a bad decision. Anxiety. People don't understand in this, you know, field how critical we, the, I, the concept of anxiety is in the mix of everything going on.
0: Yeah. You yeah.
1: have to lower the anxiety. Yes. If all of us do yeah. that. And we're going to take care of a host of problems,
0: man. I, I think you're right. I, um, last year I only read one book, uh, pretty much exclusively. And it was the seven habits of highly effective people by Dr. Stephen Covey. And he had this great statement. Somewhere, somewhere in the middle of the book, he basically said emotional regulation is essentially increasing the gap between stimulus and response. And I think what's happened with technology is we have basically minimized and in some cases eliminated that gap, right? You have a thought and boom, you can Google it or you can access it from your phone. And what you're talking about is so significant. I haven't actually really shared this much with the audience yet, but meditation is something – that I really felt God pushing on my heart in the last couple of months to get into because uh you know Deep Clean has grown a lot, the podcast has grown a ton, and um, just trying to keep up with it has been a lot for me. It's been a lot of stress. And I am I am just early stages of seeing the value of meditating. Uh for me, I think it's I think I do two, five minute sessions a day right now, something like that. It's very small, but um, it really does make a huge difference because actually if I don't if I don't consciously set those times aside to be still to be more parasympathetic and to really relax it it, it just won't happen like mm-hmm. life is just it's busy enough right like there's enough demands so i i really want to echo what you just said i think that's so significant i had no idea that's where you were going to kind of land with all that so that's pretty yeah, cool yeah
1: i mean homeostasis balance that's what we need in our life and very few of us have it yeah we're, we're way out of whack yeah you bring it so therefore again that little bit like you said you do five minutes quite the day that's okay that's enough that's all you need because now when you start to feel the anxiety rise at and at any given time you know you can go back to this place where Mm -hmm. i can settle myself Mm -hmm. and i can lower that anxiety level Mm -hmm. I, i i am convinced i am i'm beyond convinced that the anxiety is the biggest problem that we're facing when it comes to any addiction.
0: Yeah. We need
1: to tackle that and we need to address it right away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So I, I promised I was going to ask you a um, uh, really, really quick here, uh top piece of advice for, for fatherhood entering this new stage of life. What, what do you got for me?
1: Oh, uh, well, I'm going to share with you. <clears throat> Oh uh, well, I shared with you the one that you know I, I did like the two two AM feeding. And it yeah. was, you know, a precious I made it a precious time for me. It was a time where I would sing to my child, which I'm sure he well, he have a wonderful voice, so I don't know how he got that to get <laughs> to um, yeah, he actually does perform. Um uh-huh. so and I would I would talk to him and I'll talk about the dreams that I had for him and what I was hoping to see. It all of that it was just it was a precious time That is amazing you um the thing that i would really focus on when it comes to you know being a dad is look for those teaching moments Hmm. so therefore he or she does something that you know again wrong or annoying to you or whatever it is Instead of again getting in their face, scolding, sending them off, instead, let's sit, let's talk, mm. let me share with you what's going on here and why I see this is a problem.
0: Mm.
1: Again, look for those teaching moments because they're very, very valuable and we miss those. Yeah. And you know, and because, and the reason we miss them. Because our anxiety is too high mm. and we just mm. can't deal with it at the moment. Or we yeah. think we can't deal with it at the moment. We can. We can deal with it. All right. But that anxiety, once it gets out of whack, you know, and it doesn't take a whole lot to yeah. lose that balance, when we yeah. say gets lost very quickly. So anyway, yeah. that's what I would be asking or telling
0: you to do. Super helpful. Eddie, always appreciate you, man. I learned so much. Took lots of notes here today. We will put um, links to all your resources. You have a bunch. And we'll put your email in there if you don't mind, uh, if if you're still okay with that for people who do want to access the meditation music. That is fantastic. Um, Thank you. Thanks for all the work you're doing. And uh, like I said, you have some really cool resources coming out. So we'll have you back again in a few months. Yeah, we have those. a
1: lot of stuff that's coming up. There's no doubt about it. Hey, I'd also like to give a chapter away of the book, um, "How Men uh, Why Men Struggle to Love. So again, oh, sure, yeah. if you want to send me their email, I uh, will send them a free chapter of that book too.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yep, so we'll, we'll make sure that email is definitely in the show notes. Uh, in the meantime, God bless you, man, and, and we're Thank cheering you. you on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, well, what can I say? Eddie is a legend, and I knew that you would enjoy that episode. Uh, so look, we're going to put links to all of the stuff he mentioned. He's got um, you know, a bunch of inner child healing programs. He's got books that are available on Amazon. Um, we're going to make sure all of those links are there. Uh, but the other thing I want to mention and make sure that you have is um, is his email. It's edkappa at gmail.com, and he said he'll send a link to a meditative, a meditative site that I guess he's using on a regular basis. Guys, highly recommend it. Take advantage. This is a valuable resource. And like I said, most people are not actually offering uh, this kind of stuff. So uh, so that was really kind of him. And look, if you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, I I know that the inner child and doing recovery the right way, developing emotionally, all the stuff we talked about, if you can kind of see how this is playing into your current struggles with pornography, and you know it's time to get help, and you want somebody who's you know been taught by Eddie. Like if you get work, if you work with Eddie, you have to pay a lot of money. He's not a, he's not a cheap person. This guy works with professional athletes, TV personalities, and all kinds of other high level people. But maybe you do want someone who still has that training under their belt and could offer you a similar experience. I would love for you to consider Deep Clean. That's the program that I've designed here and i built out. I recently just hired a coach, his name's Sean, who's trained by this guy. And so he's actually training all the inner child stuff. But we do a, a bunch of things comprehensively to help men develop emotionally, um, heal their inner child, and ultimately get to the roots of porn addiction so they can be permanently free not just free for a little bit but free long term so if that's something you're interested in there's a link in the show notes book a call with my team we would love to speak with you we'd love to see if you're a good fit for what we're doing here and if you are then we could talk about what the next steps are and if you're not then no harm no foul we can redirect you otherwise and make sure that you still get the help that you deserve so the link is in the show notes to book a call with my team the links are also in the show notes to reconnect with eddie if that's something you're interested in in the meantime, much love to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathia again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you wanna show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content.